It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host, Manu Veth. And as always, I'm joined by Andrew from Siberia. And Andrew, I really did appreciate that picture um, of this thin layer of snow that you sent me this morning. We had snow last week. I was hoping I would never see snow again this year. And um, yeah, and then I got that for, for my wake up. Uh, so I appreciate that. But other than snow, how are you doing, Andrew? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, apart from the snow, it's actually snowed for the first time in weeks today, but um, other than that, other than the depressing thought that I've got another two months of winter, mm-hmm. everything else is good because, of course, this week, we finally, finally, finally see the end of the winter break, and it's just, it gives me an unreal amount of excitement. It's really not that exciting, but it is to me because it's been so long, so looking forward to getting back into it. I think it's amazing that you're saying it's the end of the winter break and yet it's the first snow that you had in two <laughs> weeks. <laughs> it doesn't add up too much, does it? But um yeah, joining us as always, you already heard him in the background laughing at Andrew's snow stories, is Tim. Tim, how are you doing? How is it over the water in Vancouver? Good, good morning. It's a bit early, but yeah, um it's exciting. I hear also very excited for the upcoming um end of the longest winter break in all the leagues probably uh, in the world and um, yeah there's a cup game there's a league start so there's so much uh, exciting stuff for us to discuss yeah and we had a pretty good week in the Europa League too Um, oh some of you some of us um, well overall as a network we had a very good week because most of our teams did make it through Um, I had to put a couple X's next to names Um, I'm sorry Tim we'll get to yours in a moment but um, we have to kind of recap the things that did happen. And the first game that was, and this is because of scheduling, right, Andrew, was the Red Star against CSKA game, which took place on Wednesday. And that's because there's so many, there were so many Moscow teams involved. And um, they, I don't think they wanted to have two games at the same time taking place in Moscow, right? It was the same for the first leg where they moved the... For the the game to Tuesday rather than to play it on Thursday because Partizan played on on Thursday as well, right? So it's a bit of scheduling confusion, etc. Too many Russian clubs in the competition, but overall this went really well for CSKA against Red Star, didn't it, Andrew? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was it was freezing temperatures. I, I was in Moscow at the time, and I can assure everybody it was not pleasant um, conditions to be playing in. But um, goal just before half-time from Alan Zagoyev, 1-0 win. Yeah, it was a bit nervy in the second half, I guess. It doesn't matter how, how much the other team are pressing. You always are concerned about that critical away goal, which we all mentioned, didn't we, last week? Um, just a possible area of concern. But they held out. And um, actually, as I predicted in my football grad preview, that um, Red Star didn't offer much going forwards. And they, they actually didn't, in fact, sell or have agreed to sell their star striker. I think it was just after the game, in fact. But that possibly was why he wasn't involved. And that was a major factor as well. So, Tisca through. Absolutely fantastic for them. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just great to see them knock out a, a decent side. And through to the next round. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I watched the second leg too, Andrew. And I thought that... Nervy is a very good description of it, but they did get that goal to go ahead, right? And then, I mean, it, 
Europa League arithmetics means that a 1-1 draw, if you drew 0-0 away on the road, means that you go out, right? And um, to to be sitting on that 1-0 lead going into the last 5-10 minutes is always so nerve-wracking because you know that that one goal is essentially a winner for the away side, isn't it? And I think given that, I actually thought CSKA did quite well. Um, that's usually the time when you know, Akinfeev provides some kind of slapstick and he didn't and got, got his side through. So this is, this is a good result for CSKA. Um, we're going to talk about, you know, how far they can go in a moment, but, um, and Tim, just your thoughts on this game real quickly. Uh, well, I'm very excited for Tsiska, and I think at this point of this, of the season for Russian clubs, it's not really the performance, it's the result what counts, because like we said, they're playing their first games after a very long winter break, and teams are out of form, so I think we need to give them a bit of a discount uh, on their performance, and really fo- focus on the result. Maybe going forward, um, this is where you can kind of start looking a little bit more closely because they will have a couple of games in, in the league under their belt and some kind of form. But at this point, the only thing which counts is the result, and I'm very happy that CSKA made it through. The only blow was that Viktor Vasin um, won their main central defender and the main central defender of the national team. He got an ACL injury and he will miss the World Cup and he will miss the rest of the season. So that really puts a big question mark on what will happen to the Russian national team team defense at the World Cup because GK mm. is out, Viktor Vasin is out, and with um, Cherchesov, since he started, he announced that he, he will be playing three central defenders um, as in, in the squad. So it really, I don't think, there's, there's we don't have in Russia three central defenders to replace those uh, <laughs> those players. So it's it's a very tricky situation because both of those guys, GK and Vasin, were instrumental. They played a biggest number of minutes along with uh, Fedor Kudryshov. And Fedor Kudryshov right now will be playing most likely on uh, as a left back uh, in Rubin. So really the Russian national team is coming to the World Cup without any central defenders, which is... Uh, Kinda, yeah. That's to, to summarize this game. Good result, good for Tesca to move to move forward, but they lost, and the national team lost a key player, which is not good. Yeah, Tim, I guess Neustadter could play there, right? Well, yeah, it, it comes case. down to to really like weird options too, yeah. as Neustadter and some other like options which they are looking at. Um, but yeah, like we lost two key players uh, for the national team, so. Yeah, that's that's an, a massive blow. I mean, we talked about how big of a blow Chikia was on his own, uh, but to lose a second central defender on ACL, um, you know, that's probably also playing in these conditions. That's when you don't have 100% control over your body sometimes, and that can make a huge difference. So that's really, that's a massive blow. And I'm curious to see how Chichesov is going to, to sol- solve that situation, because that is a big problem for them. And, um, you know, in, Tongue and cheek, Roman Neustädter. Yeah, well, he's for me. He's always going to be a defensive midfielder. Yeah, um, he's not a center back. Although they they put keep putting him there, but he's not. So I I don't know. It's it's a tricky one, um, very tricky one, and maybe something that as we get closer to the World Cup and we'll we'll look at more in depth at the squad, something that we can look at. Um, but for now, I mean, massive blow for Russia and something that Chechesov. I mean, there's national team games coming up pretty soon, so we'll probably see what mm-hmm. he will do. Um, in that regard. But boys, we need to move on. Um, Astana versus Sporting. Now, Astana ducked themselves quite a big hole at home, um, losing that game 3-1. Now, that meant that when they went to Sporting, that was more or less a glorified friendly. But Andrew, the result was 3-3. So actually, they did quite well on the road in Portugal, didn't they? Yeah, I've got to be honest. I'm absolutely gobsmacked. Uh, I I just couldn't believe the the score. I mean, it, like we said last week, it, the result. Well, I mean, obviously the result matters, but realistically, the result was irrelevant. The performance is what you were looking for, and I mean, to have the um, you know, to to have the ability to score away in the longest journey in Europe is impressive enough. But to score three, um, yeah. I mean, sure, you know, Sporting were. Always more or less in control. Um, they, ne- they never really looked desperately troubled. But yes, just yes again, it's another really 
I'd say it's about the best way they could have gone out in in a sense. I know it sounds an odd thing to say, but what I mean is that they were competitive, and that's um, that's just it's great signs for the future. Just like I said last week, they they can hold their heads high. Scoring three away anywhere in Europe, I'd say, is impressive, um, and especially against a team clearly with more experience and more well ability on paper, shall we say? But yeah. um, just 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 great to see. I mean, it was um, well played, Astana. And um, they can now look forward to next season with a bit more expectation to see how far they can get. Yeah, absolutely. I would I would go along with that. So a great result for Astana. They're gone. Um, we'll see them again next year. Um, another side that's gone, and Tim, it came so close. So close. You were so close to getting that third goal against Atletico Bilbao. It went deep into extra time, didn't it? Um wasn't meant to be a 2-1 win on the road. Is this a typical case for Spartak? Spartak losing it at home? That's where it was gone, wasn't it? Yes, I, I agree with you. Yeah, it was, it was fairly typical. And at the same time, um, yeah, the, 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 the leg was, the, the tie was gone in, in the home, in the home game. As I said, and I'll repeat this, uh, they played not bad at home. It was just three horrendous mistakes which they, which uh, the defense uh, organized for for ourselves. That was really that was really the blow. Uh, a way they played very well, like uh, especially playing away at Bilbao. It's a very tough place to go and winning away and scoring two goals and pretty much having a fair bit of control of the game. Uh, that was a good result, and like you said, um, it was very, very close, especially in the last minutes. There were a few chances, so it's it 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 was a good performance. And like Carrera said, he was satisfied with the performance. He had no questions in terms of uh, the passion and the work rate of the of the players. Uh, it was just really those three mistakes in the first half of the first leg, which really uh, put, um, put put Spartak away. So. Um, as much as it's disappointing, at the same time, I'm, you know, you, I saw the positives in the away game. And at the same time, really, I've been Spartak fan for over 20 years. And we had this horrible spell of uh, really about over 10 years when we didn't really win anything. And Spartak wasn't the same club as the club which I started supporting in the 90s. Right now, Spartak is competing for the the the... The trophy they played in Champions League, they were in the playoff of Europa League. You know, I know Spartak is not going to win the Europa League this season, so it, it didn't really matter when they will go out because they will they would have gone out at some point anyways. So okay, it happened in the first in the first uh, game, but at the same time, for me, it is again exciting to be a Spartak fan because we're playing uh, in Champions League, we're competing for the trophies, and we're playing in 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 Europe in the spring. So no questions to the team. Things happen, you know. You have to lose some games. You make mistakes, and then you get punished for those. So I, my glass is always half full. So I'm getting excited, and I'm really thankful for the to, to the team for this European season. Good for them. So I got to see Spartak play in Europe. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that first leg um, would that have gone any different? Maybe if there wouldn't have been such a long winter break, you know, going coming back from and if GK played. Yeah, and if Chikia played, so that's that's for you the two big difference makers, aren't they? I think so. Yeah, I think Chikia. Yeah, there was a there was a strange decision why Carrera picked uh, Ribrov or was over Selihov. Selihov was in goal on a second and away game. Ribrov was on the first game, and Ilya Kutepov, who you know I, I'm a big fan. He is a young and up and coming talent, and he even could be competing for that uh, central defender spot, which we talked about. But he has just a horror show in those two games. He he's not he wasn't confident. He made so many mistakes. He was somewhat um, involved in all four conceded goals. So I think if GK would have been there, and like you said, if it would have been not the first game after the break, if it would have been a game in November, December, Spartak would have mm -hmm. been through because the form we had in the end of last season it was phenomenal. Yeah, I feel the winter break is a huge difference maker. I think all the games that we saw involving teams from the post-Soviet space, there was at least some periods where you could see the winter break taking its effect on, on the individual sides. So I, I personally think that does make a big difference because you, yes, you play that first game at home, right? But people have to understand that the team that is, so Sparta, just like Atletico, had to actually travel to Moscow from a warm place, right? Yeah. 
So that's, I think, finding your legs and finding your, um, just your mentality wise, going from playing friendly after friendly after friendly somewhere in Spain in a training camp in front of empty ranks to straight into Europa League action. I think that can be a bit, bit of a problem. And then of course you're missing your one center back. So you have to switch around your system. And this is the first time you've switched around your system and playing a competitive game. So I think that is a, it's a huge advantage for the team that's facing, um, a club that's from the post-Soviet space. And I think, you know, this is, this is something that we a little bit discussed yesterday in the game pressing podcast. Um, I think now that the winter break is over, these teams have played two or three games. The next rounds are going to be much easier for them. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that is maybe without winter breaks, Spartak would have knocked out Bilbao because you could see a big difference in the second leg. That's, at, that's at least the way I saw it. And yeah. I mean, I mean, even if you go to the, if you go to the next game, which is, um, Nice versus Locomotive, right? The first 45 minutes, and we talked about this, um, Andrew, um, the first 45 minutes, Locomotive did not look great. It really took them about 45 minutes to get into this game, right? And then, of course, they turned it on and overall knocked out, uh, Nice. But those 45 minutes in the first leg, you could really see the winter break, couldn't you? Well, yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head again. Um, you, you absolutely could. And, uh, well, Balotelli hit the bar once, was it twice? Actually, I think he hit the bar. Um, and in the first leg, you I remember again, Nice went 2-0 up and it really did look like it was going to be practically game over already. And okay, that goal, you know, just on the stroke half time, it's such a cliche, but it's true. It does make that difference. The red card, these are influences that had they not happened. I know it's a big, big game to play. What if? But it, it really, it really is a fine difference between what turned out to to be three away goals, four two on aggregate looks, you know, comfortable enough. It wasn't. It wasn't comfortable. They had to fight, and it was absolutely again perishingly cold in Moscow. Um, and it, you know, this you guys make, I think, a very good point. It's it's difficult enough with the winter break, but the fact that you mention they coming back from these warm weather camps. I, I find it almost a bit bizarre quite how much they obsess about being in warm weather camps. It's just, I don't think it makes much sense. Play maybe the first or maybe even the first two um, winter training camps in warm weather, but the last one really ought to be back where they're going to be. It's not going to be warm here for another month, two months. Um, and you saw Zanit, for example, after, after playing Celtic away, they came straight to Italy. Um, thinking it was going to be warm weather. They've even gone back there, having mm. played the second leg. I, I find this obsession with training abroad in this winter break a little bit a little bit odd um, because the, you could see the rustiness in the Loco game, I think. Um, just well, a little well, bit. Anyway. Andrew, but like the training in the winter conditions increases the risk of injuries. Mm-hmm. So, you know, doing that in, let's say, in Tarasovka for Spartak, it could more injuries. So I think that that's, that's the main reason. Yeah, that's that's the truth. It's a hundred percent that because I remember when I was training for um when I was a part of the varsity program in rowing, this the same thing. You basically have to put on layers over layers over layers of clothes because anything if your body temperature um so below fifteen degrees, you're supposed to play with long sleeve because below fifteen degrees Celsius and this is plus your injury rate increases already by fifty percent if you're cold. Because you can, that's how you get muscle strains, et cetera, right? That's why they put Arjen Robben, for example, in a full body suit when he, when the temperatures drop in Munich so that his body stays warm. So you are right, Andrew. Um, it does make big climate difference, but the, the problem is that training in this weather, um, there's, you can't really. So you would have to basically go indoors. And if you go indoors, you might as well stay somewhere where it's nice. Right. Because either or, um, you, you will have to train in temperatures above. Um, playing is a different. You can't, you can't move the playing dates. It's impossible. Right. So they, they will have to deal with the fact that they have to maybe take the risk that they're going to get injuries playing in minus temperatures, but you want to minimize that injury risk during training sessions. I think, um, I think really my, I know, I mean, of course you guys are right. It is, you can't. You can't train excessively. I just, I just think it's a bit of a compromise that I just find it odd quite how, how close to the competitive games that they're still training in completely alien conditions, basically. I'm not saying full on training sessions outdoors, but at least some level of acclimatization to the conditions I think would, I think it's worth 
not necessarily risking injury, just even a few extra days, just two or three days extra. Um, I, I would, I personally would come back to uh, to Russia slightly earlier than than most clubs seem to do. But no, I mean, yeah, take your point. It is, um, you know, we're talking about the injuries to Vasin and Jukia, mm. um, you know, adding adding extra risk to them, and it, it's just, uh, yeah, it's almost suicide with the size of a lot of Russian squads. So, yeah, I mean, I do take you guys' point, um, but um, I mean, I think I think the, what we can take away from the the not the first knockout round at least is that the Russian clubs have far exceeded what they usually manage at this stage. Yeah. Um, now they've got over that first and I would argue most difficult hurdle. There's actually genuine optimism, I'd say, at this point um, for the remaining side. So, um, job well done for Cisco and Loco, um, and and of course the need. Yeah, and that's the one that we're going to go right next into because they did a. They, they, that's actually a really great example, Andrew, because they had a tough time in the first leg at Celtic Park at the Paradise. Lost that game 1-0. It could have been much worse. And a very good performance at the Krzysztofski. And you were at that game. And that was that was a magnificent performance, wasn't it? And, I mean, the Krzysztofski is a great facility because even in the winter, um, they can close the roof, right? It, it's not as much of a climate shock as some of the other facilities. And they did very well to knock out Celtic in that round, didn't they? Today's sponsor is brought to you by Nature Made, the number one pharmacist-recommended vitamin and supplement brand. Nourish by Nature Made is a personalized vitamin regimen that removes the guesswork of selecting supplements that are specific to you. Backed by 45 years of science, delivered right to your doorstep, and costing on average less than $2 a day. Nourish is your one-stop shop for customizable supplements. Visit Nourish.com to get started today. One gift that never gets returned? Trick question. It's three gifts, beer, wine, and spirits. And with Drizzly, you can send the gift of drinks right to your loved one's doors. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and holiday spirits, then get them delivered right to that lucky someone's door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code JINGLE at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Oh, absolutely. It was, um, it was one of, probably one of the best performances I've seen from Zanit this season, I'd even say, um, because they were just in such complete control. I mean, Celtic had they had, Celtic actually had the majority of the possession, but it was it was one of those games where you know, say for example, if Manchester City or Barcelona or Bayern Munich are playing, when you see the stats flash up as 65, 70, 75 percent possession, it's not a shock. But I was absolutely stunned when I saw the the possession statistics, and it kind of shows it. Celtic had a, a lot of possession, you know, low in midfield, but they, they just did absolutely nothing with it. A large part of that for me was down to how well the the team was set up. Um, Dalek Kozaev was just absolutely fantastic in midfield, uh, as he always is. Leandro Paredes had a probably one of his finest games um, on the ball. And I actually thought that Anton Zabalotny, on his home debut, don't forget, um, was was brilliant up front. He had did a very uncomplicated, unfashionable job of throwing his body around, winning headers, holding up play, um, and he was very heavily involved in the build-up to uh, the first and the third goal. Um, not doing pretty stuff, but doing his job absolutely brilliantly, allowing Kokorin to um, to find more space, which he did for the third goal. So. Zanit were just, uh, they were brilliant, absolutely fantastic. Um, And I actually genuinely think now, like I say, after that first hurdle, I think they they really have got to start setting their sights, um, certainly for this season, if not future seasons, on advancing further in the Europa League. Because with quality like that, they can really do some damage. No, we'll get to that in just a moment. Um, On Leandro Paredes. Fantastic performance. I, I read actually have an article up on footballgrad.com um, that includes a video of his performance from um, Breaking the Lines, um, a page that we sometimes cooperate with. And um, yeah, fantastic performance. He looked a lot like Sabi Alonso. 
sort of with that mm -hmm. 10 minute, uh, circle, 10 meter circle that he was running around. Not a lot of running around at all, but just like distributing the ball, like a metronome, uh, passing was perfect. He had a fantastic game and I, I would totally go along with you, Andrew. Probably the player of the game and, and that one just because of what he did and the, the perfection he, he, he showed in that game. It was just, yeah, yeah, amazing. And what a steal for Sinit to get him. Um, from Roma. I mean, this is a 23 year old midfielder that has a long, very good career ahead of him. And yeah, Sini did very well getting him. Um, want to go to the, the next game real quick. And there's not that much to talk about with Dinamo <laughs> Kiev against the hike. Um, two very poor performances that see Dinamo Kiev go through. I mean, that's good. They're through. Um, which is, which is great for us because we get to report on it. But, uh, if Vadim would be here, he would say, well, not that much to say. And there isn't because they, they basically just got the job done. They got the goal on the road and then drew zero, zero, um, at home at the Olympiski. Um, yeah, good result for Ukraine. Ukraine as a team through. Um, overall, we actually did quite well. We have, um, five teams through to the next round. And I actually want to start. I know it's reversed on the order that I actually gave you guys on the paper, but let's start with Dinamo's opponent, Lazio. Tim, that's, that's a very, very great game for Dinamo Kiev to get. Um, Lazio is, is a very good Italian side. Um, a side that plays good football. We've seen that Italian sides play good football in general. We're going to talk about Lazio city rival Roma in a, in a bit as well. That's a great draw, isn't it? Well, it's an exciting draw, but uh, it's it's not going to be easy for Dinamo Kiev, especially based on their performance against Ajax. Uh, because, to be in my opinion, Ajax, Ajax was unlucky not to go through. Uh, and I think we have, again, dealing here with the winter break again. Because really, Dinamo Kiev uh, wasn't that impressive, and um, they're a good side. Um, so I think it's going to be very, very tough uh, against Lazio. But at the same time, uh, the games are in, in a week. Um, like the first, uh, the first, the first, like no, actually even more, yeah, is it? It's, it's March next 8th. week. Next week. All right. Next week. So, but uh, they will have already about four games um, uh, in the season, Dinamo Kiev. So obviously, uh, that you know that that the effect of the winter break will be slowly fading away. Hmm. So hopefully, Dinamo Kiev will get some form and uh, and Lazio. It's interesting how they will focus their priorities because they have been a good season in the Serie A and um, maybe that won't be their priority. Maybe they will be focusing, trying to to get in to focus on Serie A. So maybe their Dynamo Kiev has a chance, but at the same time, it still will be an interesting game and um, not an easy one for Dynamo Kiev. Lazio is a very good opponent. Uh, Lazio is the highest scoring team in Serie A at the moment with 64 goals. They've scored more than Juventus and more than Napoli. Wow. So, yeah, wow is the right term. I think this is this is going to be a, a very interesting challenge for Dinamo Kiev, um, to say the least. I mean, we, we we as we get to see all these games, um, I I think all all the teams that we have uh, in this round, they're all go, going to be, um, all every single team of the every single Russian team is facing a very big challenge, and same for the Ukrainians. So. Yeah, um, looking forward to this one. I mean, Lazio with Immobile, former Borussia Dortmund player who didn't do that well. We're going to see him. So yeah, fa fa fascinating tie that one. And, um, real quick to, for both of you, um, how do you guys see that goes through? I and mean, maybe Andrew, you go first real quick. Uh, I gotta be honest. I'm not so confident that, uh, that Dynamo will get through this round. I, I do rate Lazio very highly. They've got, um, They've just got a lot of quality, and to be, I, I want to be positive, but I, I just think it'll be a step too far. But I, I don't think really Dynamo could sort of expect to go through. I hope they put in a good performance. Um, that's about as far as I can go with that. Um, so I think over the two legs, I think uh, I think Lazio are, are fairly strong favourites for me. Yeah, same for you, Tim. It to me it depends how how Lazio if Lazio will take the game seriously because mm -hmm. they have a very good chances of qualifying to a Champions League and as we know with the new format of the Champions League, um, they have those good chances and obviously that's a massive financial influx. So they might be a little bit looking a little bit more on Serie A just to make sure that they get this because they're really in contention there going there and. 
but and then they have like before that they have a game against Juventus, so which is also like will be a big game for them. So I think if think if 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 Lazio will focus in Serie A, then Dynamo Kiev has a good chances of going through. If Lazio takes it seriously, then it will be fairly tough for Dynamo Kiev to go through because, like I said. Uh, and I agree with you guys that Lazio is a strong side. And yeah, you said that they are scoring the most in Italy. That's very impressive. So um, yeah, it depends how Lazio will take it, how seriously they take the Europa League, because we know some clubs don't do that and focus mm. on that league. Yeah, no, I, I would go along with that. And I mean, this this takes us to the next team because Sanit is facing a team in RB Leipzig mm. that we know very well from the Gegenpressing podcast, right? And we actually discussed this game a little bit on the Gegenpressing podcast as well, but Leipzig eliminated Napoli thanks to a first leg performance where Napoli was obviously focused on other things because Napoli can win that first title since 1990, I believe. The first Scudetto since 1990, right? So RB Leipzig had a very, um, I'm not saying easy time, but you know, they obviously, they were, there was focused on something different, um, for Napoli. So Leipzig romped to a 3-1 victory in Napoli, which then saw them through because they lost 2-0 at home at the Red Bull Arena. But um now Sinit against RB Leipzig. So this is a gegenpressing against Football Grad <laughs> duel. <laughs> um I am personally very excited about this one. Uh, I think this is going to be a great match. Uh so yeah. Fascinating tie and it's going to be interesting to see how RB Leipzig are going to approach this because they haven't done very well in the league. They have just dropped three games in a row in the league and um they really seem to struggle for when it comes to European matches, they seem to struggle quite a bit because they were great once the Champions League group stage was over. Then all of a sudden they started winning games again, but their squad is very thin. So the moment they hit that, that rhythm of midweek to weekend games, they, they really seem to be off the pace a little bit. So uh, I'm curious to see how that goes. And Tim, what do you think? I mean, Sunit against RB Leipzig, that's a very interesting tie. Two teams that like to play football. I, I'm curious. What do you think? This is going to be a fantastic matchup, isn't it? Yeah, and I actually see Zenit as a slightly as a slightly favorite in, yeah. in this tie, um, mainly because of just European experience. They have lots of players with that experience, and RB it's a very young and exciting side. But at the same time, they didn't have um, too much uh, players. Didn't have too much experience playing in the in the Europe, and we saw that in. In Champions League, when really, like, again, for example, performance against Besiktas, and, um, you know, you see that, like, that counts, like, in, on, on the paper, you, your team might be as a young, experienced, super, uh, sorry, young and super talented, but that European experience, it does count. And Zenitas, they have really, really many experienced players who played in those tournaments in those conditions. So I see Zenitas slightly favored, but my question to you, Manu, how does RB Leipzig, um, will take this game will it be there like in terms of like because they're fairly young club and is there an an, an a goal uh of winning a trophy of succeeding in europe or the goal is to qualify for the champions league next year what would be their priorities well technically you do qualify for the champions league if you win this trophy right um i'm not saying that that's what's rb leipzig are going for but there is they they want to grow as a club remember that they need any income because of financial fair play, because they're such a young club, they need any money that they can get right now just to um, be allowed to spend more, right? Mm-hmm. Red Bull has been the the main sponsor slash owner, uh, depends on how you want to word it, has <laughs> been very careful about spending because they don't want to fall in that financial fair play trap. Um, as a result, every year that they make money in Europe counts towards them being allowed to spend more money. Right. And the deeper they go, the, the more freedom, financial freedom they have. The one of the reasons why they have such a thin squad is because they can't spend more than they're spending right now. Right. They want to mm-hmm. retain players, but they, they also want to be able to bring in quality. So it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a thin line that they're walking right now. So they, they have aspirations to get deep into Europe. But at the same time, you're right. They don't have the experience in Europe and they don't have the squad depth. Um, we, when we drew up the preview for the game against Napoli, Chris and I, we're looking at the squad. We're like, boy, that's a thin squad. It's, mm-hmm. it's a very thin squad. And that's, that's going to hurt you at this stage, right? Because they, they have a tough competition to play in the Bundesliga and they're playing Dortmund on the weekend. Um, and then they're playing Sinit. You know, that's, that's, 
that's hard. That's very hard. That rhythm too from, you know, playing Saturday and then Thursday and then playing a Monday game. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard one. And I, I would go along with you. I would say Sinead as a slight favorites in this one because, you know, Sinead and Roberto Mancini, especially, he has that experience of playing in Europe. And I think that is something that really will give them an edge. Uh, so I could tech, I could see the Russians go through in this one. And I, I think. I mean, it will be a fascinating to watch for us because we get to see, yeah. we basically get to go to see it from two different perspectives. Um, because we have that, we have the Bundesliga angle and we have the Russian football angle. So it's going to be really fascinating to see that. So maybe we can do something special, uh, mm. and once this is over and have like some of the experts that kind of pool it and uh, discuss this. But yeah, I, we, we need to unfortunately move on because we have two other really exciting ties because CSKA Moscow got Lyon. Um, Olympic Lyon, that's another great tie. I mean, these, these could be all Champions League ties, um, if you're honest. Right. Um, and Andrew, that's, that's going to be a fascinating game to watch as well, isn't it? Well, it's going to be a challenge. It's certainly going to be a challenge for Tesca. Um, I, I honestly, I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about this one, really. I think they could have got a tougher draw. And at this stage, I would rather them just simply get a more manageable opponent than a glamour tie, so to speak. So I think overall it's probably a good draw for, for Tesca. Leon, I mean, they they used to be such regulars in the Champions League about, what, five, five, six, seven, eight years ago. Um, so they're not quite the force they used to be, that they're still, they still have quality. Uh, Memphis Depay is a player I, I'm interested to see against them because, of course, he played in, played in England and not so successfully for us. Um, at Manchester United, but he's still a quality player. He's scored some spectacular goals this season, so he'll be a danger. Um, and especially, like we said earlier, with Victor Vassin out, there'll be a bit of reshuffling. Um, I'm almost wondering whether uh, Pontus Vermblu may be played in defence mm-hmm. again in the European games. Um, he was earlier this season. So, um, you know, will the rejigging of the Cisco side, will it cause problems? Will they be able to maintain their, their early momentum? It's going to be a tough, tough tie. But yeah, I'd say it's going to be, it's going to be a cracker. It's a good test. And, you know, at this stage of a competition, you're not going to get, you're not going to get a, a, you know, a really lowly, uh, a really low side. So you need the challenge. If you want to progress, this is the sort of side you've got to beat. So, um, Leon, Good challenge, but I think it's a manageable one. If Tisca play to their potential, I think they, I think they may have a chance. Yeah, I, I, I would say so too. I think second leg is in in Lyon. Um, that's always always tougher to play. I think um, the second leg is always the decisive one. So, but then I, again, uh, sometimes the, by the time the second leg comes around, it's it's already over, right? So maybe Tisca can just get the result that they need and. Um, push through. Um, I think this is, this is another 50-50 tie. I'm, I'm really curious to see this, this game as well. Uh, just like all the other games. But Tim, um, to round this up, Atletico Madrid versus Locomotive. Is this a dream draw for Locomotive? Is this the kind of game where Locomotive still say, look, um, that's maybe a step too far. We're going to enjoy this and then focus on maybe winning the Russian title. Or is this a game that Locomotive are saying, well, let's see how far we can go because this is, this is this is a team that can compete for the Champions League title, um, you know, uh, that they drew. And what a matchup! What a team to come to Moscow as well. Yeah, that's that's a big big game for Lokomotiv. But to be quite honest, I don't see any chances of them progressing. I'm a big Atletico Madrid fan, and I've been following them closely. I really admire the you know the that team, and um, I don't really see how. Lokomotiv can 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 what they can do in terms of just passing through uh, Atletico because because Atletico is very like you said it's a Champions League contender uh, club uh, the experience um, the level of playing the superstars they have is just everything about Lokomotiv I don't see how Lokomotiv can even get anything out of this tie and like you said they might even be not too disappointed about that because it's like with Spartak I said. Lokomotiv not gonna win the Europa League, so at some point they would they would have to exit. Maybe do it in a good way, playing against a great team, and then really focus on that eight point gap, uh, which hopefully by the time they play Atletico Madrid will be lower, but uh, smaller. But um, yeah, but the first time in years Lokomotiv has very decent and very realistic chances of winning 
the, the league and have a very good squad for that. But the squad is not good enough to win the Europa League, obviously. So I think it's, it's, it is practically impossible the way I see to, to go past Atletico Madrid. Um, but again, like you said, it's, it's exciting time. It's a big game. It's a big occasion playing on that big in Metropolitano stadium. So again, that adds again, that adds even, even if, if the, if locomotive exits, that adds this such an ex, uh, important, uh, European experience. And if they qualify for the Champions Leagues next year, which they would likely, they most likely will, that just adds another for those players, for young, uh, Miranchuk's brothers who mm. just don't have that experience playing those games like uh, they will be playing against Atletico that gets a little bit of experience and it will help in in long term for the next year Champions League. So I think uh, even they don't have chances, in my opinion, it's a positive that they play in such a big club. Yeah, it is. Um, just to give you some numbers, guys. So Atletico Madrid have only conceded 11 goals in 25 games in La Liga. That's the best in the league. It's better than Barcelona. Uh, they've only lost one game this season in La Liga. Um, the only other side that has done that is Barcelona, who haven't lost a single game yet. Um, the only reason why they are seven points behind Barcelona is because they also drew two games more than Barcelona did. So that's impressive numbers. You know, they're, they're sitting seven points ahead of Real Madrid in the, in that league. And, um, we've seen in the past that Atletico Madrid can win the Europa League. And that's another trophy that they probably will try to collect. To be honest, because they're not going to win La Liga with the way Barcelona have been playing. So this is a good way to win a trophy. Tough, really tough. I, I don't see much hope, uh, for Locomotive, but it's, it's a great come, it's a great occasion. So, um, I think that's really what Locomotive have to take away from this. It's a great occasion. Um, boys, that, that concludes the Europa League. Um, we're looking forward to these games. Those will be previewed on, on footballgrad.com. All those matches. Um, the, I haven't decided yet how I'm going to deal with the Leipzig Zenit match because we have two pages, of course, with German and Russian football. So we'll probably do a home and away. So the home deck <laughs> will be on footballstadt.com and then the away for, will be on footballgrad. We'll figure it out. There will be a preview. I'll, I'll tell you that right now. There will be preview for both those matches. Um, real quick, Schachter Donetsk. Impressive game. Uh, this was, this was, I watched all the Champions League games where, because we did a whole bunch of match reports and previews on those as well of the first leg. And this was actually, um, I actually thought this was the most fascinating game between Shakhtar Donetsk and Roma. And Shakhtar Donetsk won this game 2-1. And I, I thought that the, you know, the away goal is going to really hurt them, but what a fascinating tie between two teams that really try to play football. And this is something that you don't say, see often at that stage. Minus seven degrees in Kharkiv, you could not tell. It was incredible what those two teams, um, put on this big platform. It looked like it was, you know, normal temperatures. Um, two teams that like to play attacking football. And I think this tie is, now very much a 50-50 tie. I know, Tim, you were sort of saying that uh, Roma were slightly ahead. That away goal is going to help them, isn't it? Yeah, and actually, um, I, I heard lots of positive opinions on Shakhtar, but at the same time, uh, the first half, Roma was a better squad, and they 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 could have um, scored a couple more goals, which would have been just killed the tie. Fantastic performance by Shakhtar in the in the second half. Just they were just they were just so great that Fred's goal is just unbelievable. Oh. Uh, so really, like I, I'm not I'm not changing my opinion. I still think it will be a tough ask for Shakhtar, but they did what they were supposed to do. They they got the victory. They had of going in Rome, and as of right now, they're in control. Uh, Roma has to go and score and score the goal because as of right now, they're out. Uh, so Shakhtar is in control, and it definitely gives them again another chance. Plus, as we mentioned. A few times, and this is just has the has to be the topic, uh, the back backside topic of the pod is the, the winter break. Shakhtar mm. will have again a couple more games and a little bit more of that playing experience, so they they will be definitely in a better form, better conditions. So the the away game is definitely a must watch one for for everyone, and not even for football grad and Fußballstadt. Uh, fans just for everyone. It's going to be yeah. one of the best ties in the, in the Champions League. I, I think so too. I think this, this is fantastic. I mean, Jachter should have had maybe a third and a fourth in the second half. Yeah. Allison, whew, that, that safe, <laughs> last minute safe. Andrew, that could be the difference maker overall, couldn't it? Because if Schachter puts away that third goal, 
then it becomes a mountain to climb for Roma. Yeah, yeah, I'd definitely go along with that. I think um, that the thing that gives me uh, a lot of hope for Shakhtar in this one is that they, because they've been so impressive, not just at home, but away from home as well. And that third goal, then it really, really puts the pressure on Roma. I mean, of course, they've got to come out and attack, but there's not there's not so much urgency right from the off for them to go you know, headlong. So they're not going to open up straight away. That third goal, you're absolutely right, really could be. Um <sighs> Could have been. Oh, I just hope we're not sitting here yeah. two weeks thinking, oh, if only. If mm-hmm. only. That's that's my I, that's my fear. <laughs> is it the two worst worst words in football there? But um I think I think honestly this is about as close a tie as as we've got in mean, Champions yeah. League this. Um mm-hmm. I and think so too. um I mean obviously you know where our loyalties lie on this one, where we what we hope will happen. But uh tough, but my word. They're, they're, Left, uh, for Shakhtar and um, well you know my boy Bernard he's, he's going to score that crucial away goal okay <laughs> Bernard's away goal we'll see it through if 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 they score an away goal I think then that that will be it uh, then Shakhtar will go through but boys enough with for European football we have to talk Russian football Premier League because it's back yay um, amazing good stuff um, real quick Real quick before we get into the the matches, um, there was a great article on Sports Are You uh, summing up the, the the big transfers of this window, right, Tim? And you highlighted this for us. Well, what do you think, um, boys? What was for you the the who was the biggest winner of the transfer window uh, in this Russian winter? And I go with you first, Tim. Uh, I'm. <laughs> Good question. Huh? I don't think there was actually winners in that transfer window. Uh, I think there are clubs which did well, and I would say Spartak did well. Uh, I would say that Dynamo Moscow did did well. Um, in terms of l- losers, I don't they think there were there. We can't really. There was not really significant transfers. Uh, Zenit had a very interesting uh, transfer window with uh, a purchase of uh, Zabalotny and letting go Shatov and Zuba. That was a very, you know, media loud um, window for Zenit because those two players are the key players. They are Russian national team players and obviously everything was happening around them that came with a lot of media noise. Uh, But uh, I think for players and maybe for the clubs, it all ended up in a positive note because Zuba will get lots of playing time in Arsenal too, and he, he will be playing with the coach which which knows how to work with him and he, that the coach which he can get the best out of Zuba, that Miadrak Berzovic. Shatov is totally a Krasnodar player and he will fit easily, in my opinion, in that team. And at the same time, we saw Zavolodny, he's already playing. So I think in even it came with lots of media noise, the outcome was very, very positive uh, for, for Zenit. Uh, Spartak really did well, in my opinion, because we purchased a central defender after the Chikia, uh injury. It's, it's, it was crucial for us to get a, a central defender. And we got Nikola Maksimovic, Nikola Maksimovic, who is yet to debut for the squad because he wasn't allowed to play in Europa League. Um, Lokomotiv was fairly quiet, but they had Ari back uh, from the injury. Which is which is uh, very very important for them, uh, and even CSK did something. They got back Ahmed Musa, mm. which is uh, so CSK did a transfer. That's that's breaking news already, and uh, so yeah, that's that's massive. So the only weird transfer, which we I don't think we we kind of lightly touched last week, but we didn't really discuss it's transfer of Elmir Nabiulin and Magomed Azdoev yeah. to Zenit. But again, it's not it's not it's not like big deal it's it's an interesting it's a weird transfer but it's i don't think it's going to be like a decisive factor in the rest of the season you know i'm gonna throw this out here real quick i do think there's a winner in this transfer window and i think that's arsenal tula (laughs) (laughs) they have done really well in this window bring you know bringing in someone like artem chuba i mean a year ago we would have all laughed if he if someone would have suggested to us that they would be able to sign him and they, they're sitting in a pretty decent position. It's, it's a well-run club, right? Small, small, but well-run club. And it's for them to bring in someone like that, they could, that could really push them on. And this is, this is, I mean, this is some phenomenon we've seen. I mean, Arsenal, Tula and the other small club that's been run very well recently is Ufa, 
right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, I mean, this is maybe something that we do can take away. Arsenal Tula have made some, some interesting moves, um, bringing in some interesting players. So maybe that is, that is the one <laughs> where I could say, well, yeah, um, not bad. And, and see, it's good because like people go see them. Like they usually get like a, a, around 10,000 yeah. to, to good games. So it's good that, you know, that the club, uh, like this is developing. So it's, it's, yeah, I agree with you. That's great that, you know, that's this young and up and coming club who has, who has people who are interested and supported at the city, uh, getting clubs and uh, most likely they will stay for another season in, 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 in the Russian Premier League, which is good sign. So we need more clubs like that in, in the league. Yeah. Sort of the small town clubs that sort of make the back, make up the backbone of a league, right? Because otherwise you, you sort of have this imbalance that we talked about last week with, with the Ukrainian Premier League that you have all these, you have two or three or four really big clubs and the rest is kind of like teams playing in front of a thousand people mm -hmm. in stadiums that are nowhere near the standard of Western Europe. So you need to have that balance. You need, you need to have small clubs that are run well. Um, exactly. so that's, that's really important. And speaking of small clubs run well, uh, remember we chatted about this, Andrew, Amka Pam. Looks like they're actually going to be able to start the second half of the season. Just to really quickly an update on that. Well, yeah, I mean, they've. Um, I, I mean, I'm copying. I have. I've, I've never really felt a great deal of affinity for them because mm. they they take up a place in the league. They never. They're never going anywhere. Um, they never go much further than just surviving. But on the other hand, you know, they survive. They do grind out results. They they brought in Aaron Oliner. Actually, I thought that was an interesting signing. Um, I saw on Sports.ru a few people saying that was an odd transfer, but I think it makes perfect sense. Um, yeah. For this guy, he wasn't getting games, keeps him relatively happy in that he's still playing. And for Amkar, he's an improvement, certainly, on, on what they have. I mean, Darko Bottle is, is a bit of a comedy striker for me, really. Mm. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're, I mean, they're playing right now, actually, as we record in the, in the Russian Cup. But, um, you know what? You guys touched on a couple of clubs I do want to actually come back to. Mm. So that we mentioned Arsenal Tula. Don't forget, they lost their experienced keeper, um, Vladimir Gabalov. Yeah. But mm. They made a very, very good signing um, in Igor Obukhov, who played for Tumen in the first half of the season. Um, he, he was on loan from Zenit. Um, he's a young keeper, but he's only 21. But he was playing in the Feneal and Faneel is a tough, tough league. Mm. You've got a lot of very, very physical players and set pieces often actually dictate the results of games down here. Um, and he, he stood up very well. He was very mature. So that's a really good move for him because some good game time for him and also for Zanit, of course, a young player getting top-level experience. Um, but, you know, you talk about winners. i tell you who my winner was, and that was Ruben Kazan. Yeah. They've got a lot of financial problems and they have successfully offloaded a huge, huge chunk of their wage bill. Um, but they don't look too bad afterwards. They brought in, brought back Kristen Naboa, great signing. Um, Evalin Popov, decent loan signing, a uh, bit of quality in the middle. Bob Burowskin on loan from Krasnodar. I think he's a fantastic player going forwards. Um I mean, there's there's a couple of players they signed I don't know a lot about, but they still have a decent decent size squad, a lot better wage bill. They're looking much healthier. Um, I actually think they're probably the winners for me of the of the transfer window. You want to hear a crazy start, Andrew? So if you include oh if you include Naboa, they now have signed this season eight players that have played for Rostov. <laughs> Hmm, I wonder where the link is there. <laughs> wow, interesting. Where is this coming from, huh? Eight <laughs> players. That's whew, that's that's uh, yeah. Basically, Kovan Bedeev is bringing the Rostov gene to Kazan, <laughs> or did he bring the Kazan gene to Rostov and returning it? Uh, well, we'll never and know. <laughs> there's also the rumor that uh, Bukharov he just um, cancelled his contract contract with Rostov, and mm. the rumors he's going back to Rubin. So there might be nine. <laughs> oh wow. Well, a small little colony of uh, Rostov slash former Ruben Kazan players um, at at Ruben now. Um, yeah, interesting. I, I but I I actually agree. I think I mean it makes sense. That's how Padre have had success. These are players that he has success with. So why not bring them in? I mean, it's a, it's a no brainer in my mind. I mean, we're sitting here laughing, but he has worked with that core group of players successfully. So 
of course, why wouldn't you do that? If you have the possibility of bringing a, a core group of players that you have worked well with in the past, that you had success with in the past, and you can actually take them with you. Why not? That's, that's a no brainer for me. So, you know, and they were able to offload their squad now looks, um, when, you know, the squad size is 23 players now. So yeah, you're right. They only have seven legendaries left. That's also good. You know, that's, that's a good number. That's 30% of the squad. Um, they have made 23.5 million euros on the transfer market, um, this season. So I think that they, Andrew, I go with you a hundred percent. They have been able to clear house without dropping quality. And that's, that's key. And I think we will see a very different, uh, Kazan side in the second half of the season. Um, second half of the season kicks off on Friday with Ruben against Anchi. And I'm going to go real quickly through the schedule. So we're going to see on Friday, we're going to see Anchi against Ruben Kazan. Um, then Saturday, it starts with CSGA Moscow against Ural. Um, Saturday as well, Zenit against Perm. Krasnodar against Rostov. Habarovsk or against Tosno on Sunday in Habarovsk. Minus 17 degrees. I saw on the weather report. That's going to be good fun for those poor guys from Tosno. Um, Ufa against Dynamo Moscow also on Sunday. Uh, Lokomotiv Moscow against Spartak Moscow. Also, I actually, you know, some of these games are late night games on Saturday. Uh, apologies here. I'm looking at the, the, uh, schedule, uh, based from my time in Vancouver. So some of these games are actually Saturday night. And then, of course, Arsenal Tula against, um, Tarek Krosny. Um, yeah. So that's the schedule. Um, quick glance, Tim. I, I know which game is your favorite <laughs> game. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Other than the locomotive Sparta game, what is a game that you would tune into? Uh, well, I'm I'm not gonna do it, but the game I will be paying a close attention is Zenitam Karperm because it's a very important game in terms of the title race. Uh, because on paper, really Zenit easily should be winning and probably most likely they will win. And depending on the result between between Spartak and Lokomotiv, we can have a very very different. Uh, table after just one uh one game so it is it is it is not a very exciting game unless you are zenit or amkar pair fan but it's very important in terms of uh the just the, the how how the how the league will go as uh, skahabarovsk and tosna also the game which i would not recommend watching uh because even the, the poor players will be playing at minus 17 but it still will be a horrific cool. show but it's a very important game in terms of uh quality of just staying in the league yeah. Because those teams are both in trouble, um, so uh, those are not like a super. Those games not gonna be super interesting, but I think the results in those games are really, really, really matter. And of course, Andrew Tsitsipas playing against FC Oral. Um, that's uh, that's an interesting game again in terms of title and Champions League spots. And yeah, Oral maybe Oral can do something away in Moscow. Yeah. We, we've, um, Oral have done the usual thing of signing a load of lower league players, uh, well, a load of three or four young players. I don't, I'll be honest, I can't confess to knowing a huge amount about most of them, but the guy I'm particularly excited about is, um, Othman El, uh, El Arabi, this Dutch winger that we signed, and he looks absolutely electric in the Fennel Cup, um, in, in Cyprus. So he's, he's a potential, well, I suppose he's really a potential replacement for Chisam Balungu. Um, but he, he looks like he's got more, more end products and, you know, he's got a decent, decent left foot on him. So, yeah, I mean, the best I can hope for in that game is to take points off Tiska and yes. with <laughs> European, <laughs> we'll do our best in my promise. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. It is very, very important for, um, for European places. I mean, Two points separating second and fifth. You know, that says it all. Mm. Um, in, in terms of Oral, we're, you know, Oral are relatively, relatively comfortable, but if they drop too many points, only four points off relegation playoff zone. So, um, and six games away from home out of the last 10, that's a mild concern for me because our, our waveform has not been great. So, yeah. if we can get anything from that game, it'll be massive at both ends of the table. Um, I mean, I, my my heart says we'll get a point, but my head says Tesco will 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 do the business there. But we'll do our best for you, Tim. I promise. Well, but we'll be speaking of big points. We have to touch on this because we are almost out of time. So this is the last big topic that we're going to talk about. And Tim, I'm going straight with you. We're starting the season, the second half of the season, with a bang. 
Derby in Moscow locomotive against Spartak. This is your last chance to have an impact on the title race. If locomotive win this, then it's 10 points with nine games to go. You, you have to win this game, Tim. Otherwise it's over. How are you going to approach this as you, Massimo Carrera? Oh, well, good question, my friend. Uh, well, before that, we have a game against Krylia Sovetov in the cup, which is also a very important game for the season because it's a, we have realistic uh, chances of winning the trophy. But then a few days after that, there's a game against uh, uh, Lokomotiv, and that's a very... That's a very that's that's the key game, like you said, because I you looked at it from the glass half empty. I looking at, at the glass half full because if we win, there's only five points difference, which is totally manageable. And Lokomotiv has quite a few interesting games, so um, it, it is it is the key key game of of this fixture and key game maybe for the whole league because, uh, like you said, if Lokomotivs win and who knows maybe Zenit drops points, then they can probably celebrate their victory. In terms of how we're gonna take it, it's it's it is hard to say because Lokomotiv is a good squad, especially on in Russian league. They have they have this, you know, they have. To be quite honest, if if I would have been completely neutral and say who has the best squad and best team in terms of winning the league, Lokomotiv they totally deserve winning the league this season because they have this. Uh, they've been getting lots of um, points in the last minutes of the games, and that's what champions usually do. Uh, they have this um, synergy of players, which which players performing their best, playing one of the best seasons of their of of the of their of their careers in in this year. Uh, just look at the Miranchuk brothers, Fernandes. Um, so to be quite honest, if I look based on the first twenty games of the season, Lokomotiv is a club which deserves. But I don't care. I want us to win. Uh, I want uh, I want Spartak to to get three points this game, and it's gonna be the only. You know, something that kind of helps me because we lost uh, at home 3-4 in that very dramatic match against Lokomotiv uh, in the first uh, half. And from what I understand, the the team took it very, very badly. Not because the, they, they felt like they got this game and when they lost, it was a very, very, they were very disappointed and pretty much pissed off at themselves. Uh, that they couldn't get three points, and I think this this is what Carrero will, will use in terms of just mental preparation for the game. He will remind them about this game, and I'm pretty sure that uh, the team will be all fired up for for the game. But uh, not going to be easy. No, I don't think so. That's not going to be an easy game at all. Um, we'll have a preview up on footballgrad.com on this game, um, so keep your eyes peeled up on that because it's a big game. It's a very big game, and it's starting the league with a bang. Um, at Locomotive Stadium. Uh, I assume though, knowing the, the way that is, it will be 50-50 fans, um, because there's a lot of Spartak fans that will get their hands on tickets. So, um, expect a n- rowdy, loud atmosphere, derby time. I think this will be a, a fantastic game to watch. Um, uh, it's going to be cold, <laughs> which that is, a, which we learned from the Schachter against Roma game doesn't mean anything. Sometimes, you know, cold means that there is more fire into these games. It will be a cold, Rough night in Moscow. Uh, a great game to watch. Uh, I, if you have time to spare on, on Sunday, tune in. You're going to see the best of Russian football. Um, a lot of the reasons why we love Russian football, right? Because it has that rawness to it. Um, you will see all of that in that game. So I urge everyone, tune in, watch it. Uh, great games all around. Um, really excited to have the league come back. Really excited to see. It materializing in front of our eyes and see who's going to win it. If Loco can pull this off, because it would be a massive shock if they would actually win the title. Of course, not now because of the way the table is, but going into the season, no one expected this. So it's, it's going to be fascinating. Lots of storylines there. Um, unfortunately, boys, we're out of time. We'll have to recap it next week. Um, we'll have to recap this game next week. Uh, poor us. Um, that's going to be terrible. But <laughs> Andrew, what have you been up to? Where can people find you? Um, any new projects, uh, floor is yours. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to get back to um, more live match reporting at the at full-time whistle. And that's the bread and butter of what we do at Football Grad, as far as I'm concerned. So I hope you guys will enjoy my contributions from Moscow and St. Petersburg. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Can't wait to hear that. I mean, national team games are always interesting, especially with the World Cup coming closer and closer. Oh, excited. Um, but yeah, Tim, what about you? What have you been up to? What's the latest uh, over in Vancouver? 
Uh, well, the MLSC season is starting soon, right? Mm, so we got our accreditations. Uh, did you see? Oh, got the email. Yeah. So. Yeah, I got the, the email. So yeah, so that will be it. Will be on a different podcast probably, or in a different uh, yeah, like on. A, but it still will be a football draft network. Uh, we will be covering some of uh, Vancouver, White, White, Vancouver Whitecaps games. Uh, but I'm also, as Andrew, very excited for the restart of the Russian Premier League. But I'm mostly excited uh, for the cup game. Uh, because really it's, it's, uh, for Spartak, uh, it's, it's a fairly good chances of winning the cup. And at this point, the club just needs as many trophies as possible. So I will be watching tomorrow the game against Krylia Sovetov. And Spartak will be playing away in minus 16. Oh, cold. Uh, yeah, I can't deal with that anymore. I'm getting too old for cold. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thankfully we don't because it's almost springtime and, um, springtime means, of course, more football. Uh, yes, Tim is right. We got our creation for the Y Cup sorted. Um, I'm personally not only going to cover this for the Football Guard Network anymore. I also got a job, uh, prosoccerusa.com. It's a new homepage owned by the Orlando Sentinel, LA Times, uh, Seattle Times, and I'm going to be the Vancouver correspondent. But you, you know, that doesn't mean we're still going to have the white caps covered on footballgrad.com as well on the football guard network. Um, just that I'm also going to do it for other pages as well. So that's the news on my side. I'm very excited about this opportunity. But on top of that, of course, you can find this podcast, all the other podcasts, all the articles. A new job doesn't mean football grad is becoming less. No, we're actually growing and expanding as always. So all of that can be found on Twitter at football grad live. And you can follow me personally at Manuel Weff. And people, if you have any questions, we got some fantastic questions in a couple of last months about any topic, any topic that you want us to cover, any questions that you have about the topics that we do cover, send us an email. You can find the emails on footballgrad.com. Send us via Twitter, via Facebook any way you want just give us feedback it's always welcome well that's it for now until next week das wird dann hier It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.